Good morning, ladles and jelly spoons. I guess it could be uh, evening or afternoon. It's the glory of the podcast. You can listen to it when it's convenient for you. Are you exercising right now? Are you on a nice jog on this brisk? It's getting to be winter time of year. Um, Are you maybe doing laundry? Are you driving to work? Are you at work and trying to, uh, you know, have a little mindless, mundane background noise? I'm curious what you do when you are listening to my podcast, or any podcast for that matter. Do me a favor. Leave me a voice comment. Um, if you don't know how, just go to um, anchor.fm slash tdgr, and there's an option to leave a message. I'd love to hear what it is you do when listening to podcasts, and specifically mine if you if you want. Uh, I do know that a friend of mine who is a salesman, a sales rep, as he's traveling his territory, he listens to my podcast, and I think that's a kind of a cool thing too because I try to give some good sales tips on this show. So I'm just curious. I want to know. I have to apologize in advance on this episode because uh, I am, as many of you know, I record these podcasts often while I'm driving on my commute uh, to and from work. So that's why the the audio quality isn't the best sometimes. And and, uh, today it's kind of sprinkling out. So if you hear a horrible sound of windshield wipers, that's what that is. But um, today's episode, we are going to take a deep dive into the video game industry, uh, the business of it, and um, as much as I don't get into politics on this show, we're going to take a little bit of a dive into politics and the role that it plays in video games, specifically in China, Hong Kong, that sort of thing. So uh, stay tuned, it's about to get deep. Okay, so real quick, I do owe you a bit of an apology, my audience. Um, I actually completed this episode uh, and I was ready to post it and then realized that I forgot an important segment I wanted to touch on. So I'm going to add that here in the middle, which means the continuity of this uh, episode is, has been compromised. No! So that's weird. I apologize. Um, basically, it just means that you're going to get another intro briefly. Uh, after this small segment. So what I wanted to mention here uh, is Nintendo uh, and how they have been on pretty much the cutting edge and they almost missed the boat on, on, on one thing. So Nintendo made console gaming mainstream. Atari was out, Clinko Vision was out, but Nintendo was, you know, their, their console was the end-all be-all and whatever they came out with tended to be um, pretty revolutionary their types of controllers heck there's there's uh, certain controllers that are still used from old-school consoles for different fighting games for, for the uh, brawl series which is kind of interesting um, they were behind the curve when it came to discs however uh, there's a reason behind that technologically speaking that I won't get into because this isn't that kind of show but, you know, when they finally did come out with discs, they were like small discs and the GameCube didn't do well, blah, blah, blah. But then they kind of revolutionized things when they came out with them. They were ahead of the curve with motion gaming uh, when they did the Wii. And everybody, including your grandmother, now had access to the Wii. And in fact, in some uh, retirement communities, they still use the Wii as exercise. So, so that you know, your grandmother is, is bowling. It's kind of interesting. Um, they also, they tried to get a little ahead of the curve with the Wii U. They had kind of a marketing flop there, and I think it's because they didn't advertise it well enough. They didn't really get it out there. I worked at GameStop and didn't even know that it existed until it launched. And when it launched, um, it was, wait a minute, I had the same question everybody else did. So wait, is this a new controller for my Wii? I didn't realize it was a whole other controller with a whole other console. And until we got our demo unit, I had no idea what it was. So that was a, that was a dropped ball. But they've done it again by coming out with the Nintendo Switch 
which uh, allows gaming to be portable. It looks like a tablet, but it's an actual full-on console. It still it uses tiny cartridges, but the video quality is right up there with a lot of the um, you know disc-based and digital. And you can download, and it's literally on the go because it doesn't rely on Wi-Fi. Um, so it's pretty brilliant, and the controllers are detachable, so you can play with others on the go. Um, it is pretty darn brilliant, um, and the consoles themselves are, are nearly, I'm not going to say nearly indestructible, but they're pretty damn good. So one of the things that they almost missed the ball on was uh, mobile. There was a lot of mobile knockoffs in Nintendo emulators, so Nintendo worked their butts off and finally came out with Mario Run, which, uh, to my surprise, for 10 bucks you unlock everything, and they don't ask you to spend any more money after that. So that was, a, a, you know, a lot of games are are not, I wouldn't say pay to play, but, you know, you can pay to get a little bit of an edge, um, extra in-game currency, that sort of thing, and that's a good, it's a, it's a good revenue model for a lot of companies. Nintendo didn't do that with their first, well, they did with their first game, but they also then just said, if you pay 10 bucks, you get, you get the whole game. And it was the closest thing to a console experience that you can find on a handheld device, on a mobile device, Mario Run was. I was surprised. It had amazing graphics. Uh, it had uh, several levels that you could unlock. It had different characters you could unlock. It had online capabilities so you could run against others. It was fantastic. And then they came out with Dr. Mario. Um, and Dr. Mario World was fantastic because it, it pulled right on your nostalgia strings um, but changed up the game a little bit in how it was played. And now it wasn't just Dr. Mario. You had Dr. Peach, you had Dr. Bowser, you had Dr. Luigi, you had, I mean, there's Dr. Yoshi. There's all these different doctors, and you have all these assistants that are the bad guys that can help you out in the game. And it's it's really brilliant. It's a big game, um, and it, you can do you can play online against other people. Also, now they don't they don't have the ten dollar thing where you unlock everything. Uh, if you want to, they they've been very generous about giving out freebies, but uh, you can buy extra stuff as well, obviously. And then every day they give you a gift for logging in. Then the most recent one, which uh, has caught a lot of people's attention is Mario Kart Tour. And so Mario Kart Tour is a full-on gaming racing game uh, on your phone. And I don't know if you're playing against others in, the, in real time or if you're playing against their avatars. I suspect it's their avatars. But there's there's big tournaments. There's I mean, it's, it's huge. It's a big game. There's a lot of stuff you can unlock, kart customizations, um, and it takes a lot of the favorite levels from other games. So they're playing on nostalgia is what Nintendo's doing. Nostalgia is their brand. And, you know, if you ever wanted to invest in a nostalgia brand that I think will be around for a long time and continually create really innovative ways to enhance gaming and expand the gaming community, Nintendo's a good, good safe bet. Um, as far as the console war goes right now, Nintendo's winning. And it's because, you know, the, old con the other two consoles have, have pretty much leveled out. But um, that's what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about Nintendo's uh, rise in, um, you know, gaming culture. Everybody knows Mario. He's one of the most recognized characters in the world, and the branding is on point. Um, and it's it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for understanding. And with that, I'll let you get on with the rest of the show, where it gets even more interesting. Thank you very much. Thanks again for tuning into the Deep Gripping Reality. Now, for those of you who don't know, the video game industry is huge. It's not just for geeks. Um, it's not for nerds. The video game industry is a massive industry. Back when Obama was president, he actually um, officially made gaming a professional sport. 
And I know what those of you who are hardcore football, basketball, baseball, soccer, football, uh, rugby fans, uh, even swimming is, how is gaming a sport? Well, <laughs> I tell you what, do 12 hours. You know what? Screw that. Do five hours of marathon gaming on a controller, any game, and uh, see how your, your, your fingers start to cramp and your focus starts to get lost. At, but I want you to do it at peak performance. It can be a sport, man. Not to mention the fact that we have these huge leagues where there are millions of dollars in top prizes for beating everybody else. I don't know. This is Actually, this was hinted at way ahead of time, way ahead of its time, in a movie with Fred Savage called The Wizard. And the idea was that Nintendo had come out, and they were brilliant. Nintendo was the thing back in the day, man. They had, like, this power glove that nobody knew how to use, but it looked cool as hell. And, I mean, basically, let's be real. The movie The Wizard was literally one giant advertisement for Nintendo. But uh, Nintendo had come out with Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 2, and there was no announcement of anything else. So in this movie, this kid is trying to get, this whiz kid is trying to get across the country to play in a video game tournament. And he's practiced and practiced and practiced, and he's awesome, and he's the best. And they debut Super Mario Brothers 3. Now, nobody in the real world, forget the movie, nobody in the real world had ever heard of, knew about, knew anything about Super Mario Brothers 3. It was a new thing, and somehow they kept it completely under wraps. They literally debuted it at this uh, tournament in this movie. And the kid, you know, figures out all the secrets, and in minutes and beats everybody and becomes the winner. So, sorry to spoil a movie from the 80s, but, you know, it is what it is. If you haven't seen it now, you probably hadn't even heard of it, so whatever. But, my point is this. So much brilliant marketing from movies and from video games, right? So, in that movie, they literally use the movie to market the video game industry and to, video, to market the game Super Mario Bros. 3. So, you can bet your ass that when that movie came out, Everybody wanted a power glove. Everybody wanted to play Super Mario Bros. 3. And everybody, and, and it was one of the most successful games of its time. I mean, it was such a leaps and bounds difference between Mario 1 and Mario 3. In fact, here's an interesting thing that'll blow your mind. The average JPEG, the average picture, takes up more memory than the entire Super Mario Bros. 1 game did. The entire game is smaller all of its functionality, all eight levels with their sub-levels took up less memory than one picture on your phone today. So that that's, tells you how far leaps and bounds technology has come. But getting back to the video game stuff. So video games are a huge industry because um, it's, I mean, they have AAA blockbusters that they come out with every year. And um, they put out the, these new technological advancements that are absolutely massive. I mean, I remember when I was growing up playing games, because I, I grew up playing video games, obviously. Um, and I remember thinking when, when they had, like, uh, the PlayStation came out, and they had these, what, what at the time I thought was photorealistic cutscenes. And I remember thinking, God, I can't wait till one day when the entire game looks this photorealistic, where you can't tell the difference between photos and real life. And the weird thing is, like, they've almost gotten to that point. There's something off about, um, about a picture, and your brain can kind of catch it. But if you look at, at games like Detroit Become Human, um, Until Dawn, like, if you, when you see these, you think it's movie. Like, it looks, the, the picture quality, just in the menus, is absolutely fantastic. You should Google it. Look for a screenshot of Detroit Become Human um, or, um, or the other one, Until Dawn. 
these are two examples. I think they're from similar uh, studios, Quantum Dream or something like that. But anyway, that's the kind of level of oh my god technology that we're that we're at. And with PlayStation announcing that the new PS5 is going to be coming out holiday season of 2020, you can guarantee it's only going to get better. So one of the br brilliant things that PlayStation did when it was time to develop the PS4 is they went to game developers and they let them design their dream console that they like, that they would like to build for. What do you want the tech specs to be? How do you want the controller to feel? They literally went to the people who were going to be making the games and said, how can we make it easier for you to develop for us? And that's why they had some really awesome AAA first titles. They, want, they were all about accessibility. They wanted to make it easier. Now, when you talk about actual accessibility, Xbox has kind of taken the lead there because they have accessibility controllers that are for people who have special needs or aren't able to enjoy video games other ways. Now, I'm getting way off topic. You'll, you'll find that I tend to do that. I apologize. But it's a, it's a subject that I find absolutely fascinating. Now we talk about, you know, the photorealism in video games. I was talking about that. I mean, look at Grand Theft Auto V. When that came out, the idea that a guy could walk into the ocean and go up to his waist, and if he turned around and went out of the ocean, the water line would be up to his, up to his, like if he went to his chest, it'd be up to his chest, and everything above it would be one color, the other would be offset, and then as you walk, the footprints that were left in the sand wouldn't just go away after a certain number of steps; they would still be there. Like, it's just ridiculous the amount of detail that they put into these games. Um, another great example is Spider-Man, uh, the new the Spider-Man game that came out a, a year or two ago for PlayStation. Um, they put so much focus onto that game that if you go into photo mode and freeze it, you can zoom in and each newspaper that's in, like if you blow up a, a newsstand or whatever, each newspaper has its own headline. Um, each uh, license plate on the cars in Manhattan have different license plates, numbers. They didn't have to do that. Nobody would have noticed. Some of them have bumper stickers that actually read different slogans. There's graffiti stickers that are on the sides of light posts. Now, why am I getting into this? <laughs> because this is a great place that you could have put advertising. Imagine if Mountain Dew or Coca-Cola or, um, you know, I don't know, for some reason I'm thinking of beverages, but any brand, Beats by Dre, whoever, if they had decided to pay Sony and Marvel and PlayStation to have their stickers, their logos, their trucks. I mean, that's a huge opportunity. And in fact, you see it in a lot of games. You see that they have, that they're driving a Jeep. Like, not just like, a, that's a generic term that's sometimes used for an SUV. But I'm talking about the actual Jeep. Or uh, car, car uh, games are a huge example of that. Like, the Forza games and um, Gran Turismo are famous for using real car designs that look photorealistic. And so it's, it's a great advertising medium in that sense, um, and you have opportunities for sponsorships. Not to mention, Twitch is a live streaming site owned by Amazon that uh, gamers go on and, and they, you know, they stream their gameplay, and, you know, they have sponsors. You'll see that they are wearing, it's like a race car driver, you know, you have different sponsors. So there's, it's big money that can be made to reach an audience that can otherwise be hard to, hard to reach. Gamers don't typically watch TV. They might watch some movies. They they definitely get online and check out the memes. Maybe you might find them on, in some cases, 4chan or, or Reddit or whatever. But generally speaking, gamers don't watch a whole lot of TV unless it's something they're really super interested in. So you're not going to reach them by targeting them through t traditional uh, media. 
you have to either go on social or you have to to pay for their sponsorship on their YouTube or their Twitch or or you know that sort of thing the people that they watch so you know not all gamers have their own streaming but they do watch streamers almost all of them watch watch different streamers you want you want an example of proof proof positive of the power of marketing that way the richest guy on YouTube the king king of YouTube is a guy named PewDiePie he is a complete goober goofball and uh, the funny thing is he had the most subscriptions the most viewers like he's the biggest guy in YouTube and has been he's the king of YouTube undisputed and it's because it's not just like he started out doing let's play gaming but you know he kind of grew because he would um, he would start editing it really crazy and funny and being wild and having tons of energy and going on these fake rants about things and he's gotten in some trouble he said some words he shouldn't and so you know he it's, it's a little culturally unsensitive and so he's gotten in a little bit of trouble there but overall the guy is super popular and he makes a boatload of money from YouTube videos that started from video game videos. Dan TDM is another example that stands for the Diamond Minecart because he did Minecraft videos where he would build these entire uh, uh, worlds in Minecraft and then he would film episodes uh, essentially making a cartoon out of Minecraft and kids loved it. It, they just absolutely loved it. Then you know he started getting in front of the mic and doing let's or in front of the camera and doing let's plays. And he had this you know blue hair that was really cool. And you know he, he got his wife Gemma into it. And, and they had the I mean it, it it's all creating content and reaching an audience that normally wouldn't. And and here's the thing: if Dan TDM has an awesome headset and he talks about it, that kid goes to their parent. They say the easiest way to get to somebody's wallet is through their kid, and they're not wrong. Kids have this amazing way to annoy the hell out of somebody until they get what they want, and it's impressive. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show that there would be some uh, talk about politics. So politics in two forms, okay? The first one is the China, and in, in China, for those of you that don't know, there's some huge protests in Hong Kong because they want to maintain an independent Hong Kong, and so there's been these huge uh, protests. Well, Blizzard Activision um, does this huge event uh, tournament, and the top prize was like $10,000. And this kid won, and he ended up having to, he was he was actually, uh, he had to forfeit his winnings of $10,000, and he was disqualified. And it wasn't because he cheated, it wasn't because he, uh, you know, <laughs> kicked another player to win, it, 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 nothing like that. It was because at the end, in, an, in a post-game interview, when he was being interviewed after his big win, he stated support of a free Hong Kong. And, and of the, of the uh, you know, of that, of, of, of the protesting and all that. And Blizzard Activision swiftly came in and revoked his title, took his money, and all that stuff. And they said that it was because he had broken their code of conduct, which was saying that you can't do anything that isolates, uh, puts, puts Blizzard Activision in a bad light or isolates a part or any of their audience. And China's demographic makes up a huge part of their audience. And they knew that if uh, the if the country China, if the government of China came out against them, that they would be screwed. If they banned games, that it would it would take a huge chunk out of their their finances. So it's kind of interesting. Again, I'm not getting into the politics of it. What I'm getting into is the business of it. But excuse me, that kind of reaction, that quick reaction, uh, it, it's an it's an interesting thing to watch. Now, in other news. Um, I believe Bernie Sanders is on Twitch, 
I don't believe that. I know that. Bernie Sanders is on Twitch. He has, uh, I, I want to say it's like 44,000 followers. And so Trump just got on Twitch and he has like 20,000 followers already. And, you know, you might be, Twitch is known almost exclusively as a gaming community. Like it's either you're streaming games or things about games or you're doing music that is video game inspired, whatever. It's gaming stuff. And so these politicians have figured out that if they want to reach that gaming audience, they have to get on that platform. Now, what I worry about is that it'll, it'll kill the, pl the platform. I mean, the gaming community is a very tight community. I know because I used to be the manager of a GameStop and you know, you felt like you were in a club because people would come in and they would want to talk and you're speaking a language and nobody else gets it. The parents would come in, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. But if you did, that kid, the kid that you were talking to thought you were the coolest guy on the planet and you were in the club, you knew. And they trusted your opinion and they would they would buy based on what you suggested. So it's really an interesting thing to, to kind of take a deep dive into um, is the culture of gaming and how you reach them. You know, you can either do it um, in blatant ways that try to be a little less blatant like product placement in video games or you can straight out come out on their platform and advertise straight to them but again don't be tone deaf to the message it's all about the message right it's all about understanding your audience and and speaking their language with sincerity and authenticity as opposed to sounding like a complete you know poser but uh yeah that's pretty much it guys i just wanted to kind of take a deep dive into the history of uh, gaming and advertising in gaming. Um, another great example is uh, Yo Noid, which was for original Nintendo, and it was a Domino's advertisement for their character, the Noid. Which, by the way, Domino's, if you're listening, which I know you're not, but you should be, if you're listening, bring back the Noid. He was amazing. Avoid the Noid? No, stop avoiding the Noid. I want to see the Noid. If you don't know what the Noid is, Google that shit. N-O-I-D. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning into the Deep Gripping Reality, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot wait for what's next, and I'm sure that you can't either. Um, we will have a guest coming up very soon uh, by the name of Wes McDowell. Uh, he is a digital marketing guru, but also he, he, his expertise is figuring out how to make a website that makes you money. So passive income through your website. So I think he's going to be a fantastic guest. I'm ironing out the details as I speak. So stay tuned for that coming soon. Um, until next time, dig deep, my friends.